Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life, Love, and Existential Dread podcast. My name is Brian Arada. I'm a film composer in Los Angeles. My co-host, Nathan Shelton, he's an actor, writer, director in Chicago, Illinois. And our next guest, we're having fun, we're having guests on, a friend of ours, Alan Marsh is on with us today. The he's dancing also a, guest. The dancing guest. He's dancing for <laughs> us if, if you're watching this video. Um, he's also a fellow Angelino, but at one time, we were all Springfielders, Missourians, Springfieldians. I like, I like Springfielders. Fate, fate had us uh, formed in the same forge of Springfield, Missouri. Missouri, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and well, uh, we have all man. moved on. We, we have all moved on since then, but so glad to have you on, Alan. Uh, how you doing? Lovely. How are you, gentlemen? Great. How's the weather there? It is so freaking muggy. It's like 100% humidity. It just rained last night. Oh. So it's like 87 degrees and 100% humidity. So. Oh, my yeah, there was a There was a hurricane that turned into a tropical storm, K, right. that um, made oh, landfall. Wow. And so we got some rain that Thank never happens goodness. in Los oh. Angeles. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, when, when you said it was raining, Alan, I, I didn't know. I was like, oh, that's like the three times it happens a year? Exactly. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it was welcome. But I left a trash can out to see how much we actually got, and it looked like about an inch, maybe not even. Well, what do you think about the weather out there uh, compared to Missouri, though, like what it used to be like back in Missouri? Because it got pretty – it gets pretty hot and muggy in, in Missouri, too. You know – It's different out there, though, right? Well, it used to be. Now we have mosquitoes, which is like a new thing. You know? Yeah, last last few years get yeah. attacked by mosquitoes, and the humidity is somewhat similar to Missouri. So yeah, it has gotten worse these last several few years. I've been here seventeen years. So you have been here a long time, Brian. I was looking at yep. your credits, and you were here. We all three start. One of the first things I did, and Nathan, I think you and I were both in Nine Grounds. And Brian, didn't you do the music for that? Yes, I did Nine Grounds. That was uh, well, Brian. Cool. I didn't. Remember that, that you did the music for Nine Grounds. Okay. Yet another thing we worked on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. And this ties into the questions I have for you, Alan. But fin finish what you're saying about that, oh, Alan. I think that was it. Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and when I first moved here, and this is a connection, I was trying to remember this, and I have this on an old Dell computer, which I still actually have in my closet, but I don't use it. Dude, get a Dell. Yes, I know. And, um, and I think it's on there, but I couldn't get it to boot up because it's so old. But there's a short film that you are the star of, Alan. I know exactly what you're okay. going to say. Okay. Now, now hold, hold on. I, I want to hear what you got to say, but let me say this first. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It was all I remember of it is you running at full speed. You got glasses <laughs> on. You got great thick black hair and everything, and your hair is flopping around, and you are running at full speed away from these people in suits, and there's a ticking bomb involved. <laughs> I what saw is that. that? What is that movie? I can't for the life of me remember no, it's it. it's funny. I was just thinking about that just before we came on the air, and I looked it up, and I'm like, yeah, Brian did do the music for that. It was it's called The Author. Author. It was, it was a guy I couldn't named, remember that. Yeah. Back in those days, I was just starting out. Nathan and I had done Nine Grounds. We had done People in Motion. and uh, That's where was, we met. Yes, that's right. And I was just looking around for something to do. And I got on Craigslist or something. And there was a guy in St. Louis, a British guy named Nick Warwick, and he had a script. And so I contacted him and wound up being his sort of de facto producer and put together a, like a, you know, a budget and, and, and got all the actors and found a composer, you know, and I don't think he ever finished it. But um, 
you did great music. I was the music was like the best part of that thing. It was so good. There was French horn. I remember as I'm running, I'm like, oh, this is just so above the level we should be at musically. You know. <laughs> well, it was one of my first projects. This is back in '06. I remember starting it. I started it in Springfield, and I finished it after I moved here to Los Angeles. That's amazing. Oh wow! I had one phone call with the guy. Everything was. Uh, emails and um, he's just like, oh, this is great, love it, love it. Everything yeah. I couldn't do any. I apparently couldn't do anything wrong, you know, with this guy. <laughs> he just yet, loved everything. He just couldn't but make I, the movie work. <laughs> yeah, and I never saw the final product. Um, well, but I, I, have, I, I remember. The, I remember. I do remember some of the music. The French horns you're talking about, Alan, and these yeah. big, big bombastic drums, chase drums oh, when you're running. I do so remember good. that. But so like good. I said, I couldn't remember the title or the director guy. So thank you for that. I couldn't remember. Oh yeah, no. Well, he did put out a little five-minute version of it, which I have, and I will be glad to give you a copy of it if you'd like. Yeah, please do, because I, I okay. was like, man, yeah, that's too. like so early on, and and I was like, man, I know that I know Alan is in that, but I couldn't remember all the details. So, and I'm trying to remember why Nathan is not in that. He would have been had he been available. He must not have been. Av- you must have been doing Dracula or something. Possibly, we were doing a lot at that time. You know, like right after, right around the time. Al, Alan. <laughs> it's weird. We were just talking about this because I know, I know you as Al Marsh because yeah. that's what you used to be known as. But that's now you've right. changed professionally to Alan. <laughs> How long have you been Alan now? Well, pretty much. You know, it was it was like that was always what I went by when I was a kid, and then my parents just shortened it to Al. But when I was uh, having to actually, you know, think how am I going to be billed on a movie. I don't know. Alan looked more balanced than Al. And I didn't I, I thought of like Al Capone. I'm like, well, I don't want to be like him or Al Bundy. You know, I thought. But, you know, there's there's Woody Allen. There's Steve Allen. There's Gracie. There's all these classy Allens, you know, so I'll, I'll be an Allen. And also Alan is my mother's maiden name. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so. OK. So it's kind of a kind of a tribute to her side of the family, too. That's awesome. I, that's a decision I think that all actors go through usually somewhere like if you went to school for acting in college you know you've got those people that are putting their middle name in so they're uh you know a buddy of mine's kyle dean massey he's a, a broadway actor uh you know with all you know they came in they're kyle and then yeah. they go out and they're kyle dean kyle you know dean. and like things like that uh my name's nathaniel you know but when i when it came time for me to to do the same thing i was like well do i go by nate do I go by you right. know, in Patrick Shelton, you know, or something like that? Ooh. I thought about it and I almost went like in Patrick Shelton as that's directing nice. stuff, but I just went with Nathan Shelton. So that's my union, you know, moniker. Yeah. that's the way it is. But Al Marsh probably would have been better because all the great, it seems like all the great uh, movie stars just have like punch, punch names like John Wayne, Tom Cruise, you know, Tom Hanks. Well, and I just thought of this one. What about Al Pacino? I mean, that's, that's, that's uh, well, to be see, named after. If I were anywhere in, near his uh, league, yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you do have that classic movie star look, though. Like you, Definitely. You, and it's, oh. it's only gotten even more so as you're getting older. Like, Thank you. That's a real compliment. It's crazy. It's like you've always had that kind of classic i think uh cary grant look but as you get older i see your promotional photos and your auditions that you post and things and then just like seeing you in in projects like the offer which you you did um, right which was fantastic i enjoyed every episode and you were so great so proud of you it was so great to see you on the screen and be like that's my buddy like you were (laughs) 
you were great. And you, you like, oh, you got to hold your own with some pretty heavy hitters, Colin Hanks. I mean, can you on. believe it? I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. A, it was but you look like true. you're from that time, Al. Alan. <laughs> you can <laughs> call <do>? me Al. <laughs> call me Thank you. Al. You can call me Al. Yeah. Uh, well, I, that's what that's what I want to ask you that uh, ask you about that too. Uh, How did you get the role? Where 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 did that come from? Big audition process, all that stuff. So I, you know, moved out here to act in 2010, and I kind of got burned out about 2015 or so, and I actually took five or six years off and just sold clothes on eBay and uh, played organ in my church, you know, and. Uh, I didn't know you played organ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, That's something should... Brian and I have in common. We're both uh, keyboard guys. Keyboards. Yeah. Excellent, yeah. man. We jam sometime over yeah. Zoom or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I so in 2019, um, my landlady wanted our apartment for her daughter, and so she sort of evicted us. And um, and I hadn't really saved up a lot of money to move. It was kind of a surprise to me, and so. All my business money went to moving and my business just kind of fell apart, you know. So then I was like, well, now what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I guess I'll go back to acting. I don't know what else to do, you know. And it had been enough time that I wasn't burned out anymore. And I kind of was excited about it again. And so I just called up my old agent from from years back. And she was like, great. you know. And so I auditioned for a couple of things. I auditioned for that new Brad Pitt movie, um, Babylon, that's coming out. Didn't book that, but sort of got close, you know, just a little part. Did he just produce that? He's not in it, right? He, I think he's in it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a very hush hush project. I know. I know. There's all all these things out right now saying, like, don't ruin the ending. Don't ruin the movie. You know, and yet everybody, everybody in LA has been in Babylon, I think, except me, because they had a huge, it's it's a cast of literally thousands of extras. But, um, wow. I, I booked another thing. Um, it was a, a a music video where I was going to play Humphrey Bogart, and I was really excited about that. But the funding fell through, so I was, you know, not really doing much. And then I got the flu, and I was at the doctor's office getting a breathing treatment. They've actually got a picture of me with a breathing mask on, an oxygen mask, you know. That's and while I'm night, sitting, buddy. <laughs> while I'm sitting there breathing oxygen, my phone rings, and it was my agent, and she said, uh, "I have this audition. I don't know if you'd be interested. It's called the offer." Yeah. I'm like, why wouldn't I be? That's what I'm here for, you know? Yeah. So I auditioned for it. And and auditions now in L.A. are all done right here in my garage, yeah, basically. Same thing, you know? same thing yeah. here. So so I did, I don't know, what my, what my normal requisite number of takes and got what I thought was a pretty good take, you know? And then I, oh, I bumped my mic there, sorry. And then I really thought about it and I was like, boy, this is this is a high, this is a big one, you know? I think I, I need to do a better job. So I broke out this equipment, hooked it up, did the other person's voice on this. So I'd have really good sound, you know, recorded it again and again, got a really good take, sent it in, didn't hear anything. And it got to be, I think the Friday before they were going to shoot, I think they were going to shoot on a Monday. And I called my agent. I was like, have you heard anything on this? And she's like, no, let me check. And she got back and she said, well, it looks like they may be going another direction. I'm like, oh, great. You know. And then I got another email saying, oh, actually they may want you which makes me think somebody wasn't available. <laughs> hey, yeah. doesn't matter, right? right? Doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't book, matter. Book the, get the gig however you can. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So my girlfriend and I were eating uh, Chinese at that point, you know, we were at a restaurant and I was like, Oh, hope, 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 you know? And uh, then I, we went to target and while we were walking around in target, I got the email that I had booked it and they sent me a deal, mem- an offer. They called it. It was an offer for the offer. For the know, offer. Just, yeah, of course. 
And so uh, then in December, I've got to go in and shoot the first day. And the first scene I'm in is a ladder scene where you may not even notice I'm in it. We're just sitting in a restaurant. And um, that, that was all I did that day. I sat and eat, ate steak and lobster. And, yeah, they and come like, by your table and talk yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew Good is off in the distance as Robert Evans, and we're kind of waving him over, but he goes over and talks to Colin Hanks instead. So that was my first day. It was super easy. And I was like, oh, I can handle this, you know. <laughs> Sign me up every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then a month later, I got to shoot uh, the second scene, and that's where I actually The talk. big scene. Yeah. 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 It's a great office yeah. scene with you and Colin Hanks. And uh, who's the other and actor? Josh Zuckerman. As, yes. Uh, Peter yes. Bart. Yeah. 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 Yes. Lovely people. And Adam Arkin was our director. Such right. A nice guy. Oh, he's, he's so generous with my I'm by far the least experienced person in the room, you know, and we did a take and I was like, oh, that felt kind of fake. My delivery felt kind of fake. And he's like, well, let's do it again. You know, you've got all these crew people. There, there, there were two cameras, two boom mics. I had never seen a setup like this, you know. Yeah. All, all this stuff going on around you peripherally and you're just like focus. <laughs> yeah, right. We've talked about that on the show before about how acting and stage productions and acting and film are completely different because of the nature of truth that you have to, you know, the focus that it takes. You you can't just be in it as easily mm -hmm. in a film because you've got all this stuff going on in your <laughs> line of sight it's and you've got all these people watching you and all this stuff. Whereas on stage, you're kind of, you know, it's dark out there and it's light on stage and you can get into it and it never stops. You don't have cut. OK, let's go back and do it again. It's just you're in it till the end of the show, you know, Very true. You know? Yeah. and uh, yeah. it takes a it. That's why I say not everybody can act. I don't believe that everybody can do it. it it's a skill set. It's not just the ability to convey truth, but it's the ability to focus mm -hmm. your imagination and really get into it. And um, yeah, it's, no, a, it's, it's a weird collection of talents. Yes. And skills. You know? yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that, and that, that ties into one more question I had for you, Al. There's another thing I saw you in. This is back in Springfield. It was a stage play. And you're playing like a Kramer from Seinfeld type character. And the only costume I can remember you're wearing was a bathrobe. And you're coming in and out. And you got this – it's like this obnoxious dialogue and everything. And I can't, and again, I can't remember the title of it. I, I'm sure it was at the Vandevort. But I remember seeing you in that play as well back in Springfield. Run for your wife. Yeah. Run for your wife. Okay. It, it was but a I, British uh, farce. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who it was so that? Hmm? It was so funny. Who directed that? Oh, uh, was it David Rice? No, it was. Oh, God. Give me just a second here. I have the T-shirt right around the corner. Let oh. me grab it. <laughs> <laughs> All those old great show shirts. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. He's 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 got everything right there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's totally unprofessional. But uh, directed by no. Nathan Grant. OK. <laughs> can you see it? He's got, yeah, oh, man. I can. That's so that is that's awesome. So great you have that. You have that yeah. shirt. That's so awesome. Yeah. So that was at the Vandevort Center Theater, then, right? Yeah. It had uh, yeah. Jill Bailey, uh, Clint Biggerstaff was the lead, and uh, Chelsea Russell. Chelsea and Jill played uh, Clint's two wives, and I played his neighbor. Then we had Todd Osborne and David Rice as two policemen. Fun guys. And yeah. Byron Meyer as oh. his neighbor, his other neighbor. All those Missouri peeps, you know Byron. Brian. Yeah. I, I, Byron was uh, my was student, student. As I, right. when I taught at Parkview High School, and he also sang 
pinball wizard with the orchestra uh, on yep. a concert. He was oh in my gosh. He was in our Great production singer. where Brian and I met of Clue the Musical. Wow! Yeah, it's a small Whoa. world. That was a great little theater, it wasn't it? The Vandenberg yeah. Center Theater oh, was yes. such a. It's like about a hundred and fifty seat house. Now it's been gutted and turned into a luxury hotel. The whole building, mm. uh, uh, the Vandenberg Hotel, and it's like really bougie, fancy, and really nice. But it's uh-huh. it was so sad. I still haven't gone upstairs there because I can't. I can't. Right. Bear yeah. It because yeah. that that was there an old. Uh, it was an old uh, Freemason uh, lodge. Up there, oh. like that stage, it was like a ceremonial place for the Freemasons. Up, that's really? what that was built for. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it turned into the theater, and Springfield Contemporary Theater uh, ran it for many, many years. And that's where I cut my teeth as a director and as an actor, like really starting to do more adult things aside from just like typical kid friendly community theater and stuff. Started doing stuff there, and then that's where we did Dracula, but yeah, productions. And it was that's a great theater. It's oh. Yeah, and good, I did. Good memories. Um, and I did a uh, great production. I know everybody, you know, they don't like doing it, but I did a great production of Grease there, and oh. was very successful. And um, Sandra D was played by I forget the girl's name, but Miss Missouri that year was. Oh wow! We got wow. and and Hello. of course she's of course yeah I know of course she's like <laughs> super hot and everything, but man she was the triple threat. She could sing, she could act, you know, and that's that's, that's another great memory of the Vandevort was was doing oh. Grease there, you know, and they chopped the car in half to have the you know Grease Lightning coming in there. Uh-huh. They did a it was and packed packed the house every night. You know? Who directed that one? Uh, oh, uh, Chris Levy. Oh, Chris yeah. Levy. Yeah, sure. Chris Levy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You know, yeah. those were such wonderful days in Missouri, and I don't think I really appreciated how lucky I was at that moment in my life because I had just sort of randomly moved to this town at the age of about 30 or 31. Um, yeah, me too. And I, I knew nothing about I didn't know what I was going to do for a job, and I sort of fell into this whole I, – I just one day – decided, I think I want to do a play. And I went and I looked online and they were having auditions that night for um, You Can't Take It With You at the Landers. And I was just like, oh, I know that. I saw that movie. And I went and I auditioned. And Kendra Chapel, I think, was the director. And it was the most laid back. It was just like the gentlest introduction to theater ever it was she was just like just get up and do whatever do it as many times as you want play you know audition for whatever you want it was so easy you know yeah it was it was amazing and there was such a i wanted to ask you nathan um you and i both started i think the first movie we did was nine grounds and then we did people in motion but people in motion came out first Mm mm-hmm what was going on in Springfield in the, was there a, was that like the start of the Springfield film world? Was there no. more? Going- well, okay. It's, it had come in waves, right? So before that, back in the nineties, there were some people like Mike Strain um, and some of those guys that had done a movie, I think Vile 13 or something like that. Or, right, and right. and that was like, it was a bigger deal. It was like completely, you know, Brian Blakey, those guys, they had produced this thing a long time ago. Then like nothing happened for a while. And then somewhere oh. around 2003, 2005-ish, yeah. there started yeah. to be more stuff coming in. And I st- I met up with um, Ross Payton. Uh, you yeah. Know Ross Payton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ross Payton and his dad, Leland and they were making a movie called Motor Home from Hell. And I, I was in the 10th theater at the time. And that movie we shot for like a year and a half. David Crudwig is in that. We're going to have David on the show at some point. Uh, but we 
we shot that movie and it's it's so cheesy it's so cheesy you can get it on amazon or you used to be able to i don't know if you still can i mean it doesn't make a lot of sense and i play the devil in that but then right after that i met so many people like sarah um kessinger or i think it's sarah kessinger kessinger yeah but sarah Sarah wilson originally right yeah sarah wilson and then sarah wilson dewald and then sarah kessinger yeah oh sorry sarah whatever (laughs) i don't know what her last name is now but Sarah, uh, I met her on that movie and because of her got a whole ton of other things like got the because she was wound up being a producer on nine grounds Grounds and stuff like that. And I didn't know you during nine grounds. I don't think we met on nine grounds because we were in a scene together. Do you remember the bar scene? No, no. The scene where we are standing out, uh, you're smoking. I remember you had four different lengths of cigarettes. You were very professional. I was very impressed by you. You know, oh, for because like, I, I brought my cigarettes with me. Oh, my, yeah. oh, well, my. No, because because you had thought about continuity, like, oh, oh yeah, I was going to have a shorter cigarette. We were we were you were meeting with the U.N. or something. And Sean Teague and I were. Oh, French wait. OK. Thugs. Right. I'm thinking of a different thing, too. I you know, in my mind, I'm we're sitting here talking about Nine Grounds, Brian Blakey's film. And ah. in my mind, I'm thinking of Broken Faith, which happened ah. much later. Yeah, much Broken later. Fa- yeah. yeah, much later. But still, because I, I got Nine Grounds because of uh because of meeting sarah on uh motorhome from hell and Uh, so yeah you're right nine grounds was one of the sec like the second thing i i'd done and that's where we met you're right you were the yes because i was so taken with you too because you brought your own wardrobe and you looked like you were some sort of like french serial killer and you were french (laughs) in that right like weren't you french too i was french supposed to be french canadian in that which was weird, uh, not French Canadian. I was supposed to be a French diplomat. And then he told me uh, I auditioned with a French accent. The part was written for somebody much older than me. And I came in with a French accent and it was so on the nose that people thought in the reading that I was French and he thought it was too much. Wow. So then he said, well, maybe make it like he was educated in London or something. Uh. And so my accent in the movie sounds terrible because I was trying to juggle too many balls, you know, that's, and I didn't quite know what I was doing. With what that. was your my name? Which, your character name? Claude? Corbin Fontaine. Corbin Fontaine. That's it. Good memory. I was the bad guy, which I'm not like, if you just look at me, I'm not a bad guy. You know, you have much more. You could could have played that villain. You had those little round glasses. <laughs> yeah. Alan. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. so awesome. And you were the you were the bodyguard or something to the to the African Right to the to the to, African to, diplomat, oh, uh, yes, Bill uh, Seca's character. Bill Seca, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, no, all I it's I was working at the time as a uh, medical transcriptionist for um, right, God, St. John's or something. I um, uh, and I, I you had that. It was such a sweet gig for an actor. <laughs> yeah, and I was reading um uh, whatever the local paper like freed. I'm sure it was free newspaper. And they said, oh, there's a they're making a movie. And I immediately got on the phone. I called Sarah. And I was like, can I be in your movie? <laughs> she was like, sure. Uh, you, you had know? such a great look. And yeah. And then right after that, we did People in Motion where we played roommates. Right. Yeah. With Ed Moore. That's so amazing that I. And Zach just, Stevens wrote that. And Zachary. That's right. It that was so amazing that you and I both just kind of came in at that exact moment when things really started really was a lot of happening in those years yeah Yeah. and then we that's when we we all started going to lot remember brian too we would all go to lung to wing tuesdays with daryl mickey stone us and justin evangelista justin evangelista yeah all the guys that were 
really doing a lot all the filmmaking and at the time you know actors writers directors producers special effects guys we were all kind of rolling together and you're right alan it was a it was kind of a magic time i was still in college after being in college for way too long already at that (laughs) point i I went from 2000 to 2008 um whoa yeah yeah full time (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) well uh yeah i don't know i didn't get a degree so not that awesome i'm about ninety thousand dollars in debt and don't have a degree so you know well but i lived life you did. Like, I learned a hell go. of a lot. I toured Europe, you know, did a lot of things. Uh. So, yeah, that was a, a really, really, really fun time uh, back in Missouri. And I think we were all doing. A uh, lot of lot of film, indie film, student film stuff, theater things as well. You know, Brian and I were really pushing for theater things. And then, Brian, you left for Los Angeles in 06. Yeah, but that's another on nine grounds. Again, I started it in Springfield. Yep. I remember I remember just Good. walking into Brian Blakey's office and I'm like, I forget what the connection. But he invited me over I, there. So like, yeah, I told your connection. I told okay. him about you because ah. we had done Dracula and everything and, you know, all these yeah. other things. And I was like, if you're looking for somebody, he's great. I was, yeah. and he was like, yeah, great, great. Yeah. And I don't, I remember just walking to his office. He's sitting behind his desk and maybe his secretary or a couple of other people in there. I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. You know, I'm just start talking to him and everything and then got the gig and everything. But that's another one I started in Springfield and finished in Los Angeles and. Uh, and he loved, I remember he loved the trailer. He cut, he cut a trailer together and I, I, I wrote music for the trailer and he was, he was all about that. So, uh, that, that was a fun project. All three of us were on. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there was just, uh, there was a lot, a lot of stuff going on at that time. We were going to, you know, my wife at the time and I, Alan, were, we were going to move with Brian together to Los Angeles. That was oh, our really? original goal. But then we got pregnant with Lena. Oh, sure. And um, and so we were like, OK, well, we're going to stick around here a little bit. And Brian was like, see ya. And he just went ahead <laughs> yeah, and left. Not, I had nothing holding me back. I was like, yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, he had been gearing up his life. Yeah. To go, you know, up until. And so when we found that out, we we stayed. He took off. And, uh, yeah. And the, but we all continued to still work together, you know? And, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is great. And Alan, you know, you left, when did you leave? You left in 2010, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. And if you had, if you had stayed then when we did, um, shadow bound, like I would have had Al be the lead in shadow bound in a heartbeat, heartbeat. Cause you have that classic look. And uh, I was going actually after my cousin to do the part, Jordan Fox. Uh, Uh I I think you might know Jordan. I don't remember, but he's in Kansas city, but he couldn't do it. He was so busy. So I wound up playing it, but I was just too chubby. Didn't have the quite, quite the look that I wanted. I knew I could act what I wanted to get across, you know, in the character, but yeah, had you been in uh, in Springfield at that time, still, I like in a heartbeat, that would have been. You know, oh, if we had the money to oh, bring yeah. you back, I would have done it. But <laughs> left too soon, man. Well, I mean, you you building a home out there, doing you know, building a a life and and everything, and it's obviously doing very well for you. You're you know starting to get even more um, more auditions and and more visibility and. This is just the beginning for Alan Marsh, I think. Well, that's hope, huh? <laughs> no, I, I do think that. And I, I love the I love seeing how hard you go at your auditions as well. You know, you see a lot of actors just kind of like 
Um, yeah, I do this. And it looks like you just have fun with every single audition you do. Even if you don't, it looks like you're, you're having <laughs> yes, fun with it. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, I, very few auditions I actually have fun with. You're actually getting to audition for a lot of movies. I get a lot of commercials here in Chicago when I audition. Oh, sure. I get real fucking tired of it. Sorry, <laughs> we can cuss on this podcast. But I get really tired of um, – of, you know, like we joked around in episode one about playing a poop emoji and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> I know that as an actor, we should always be happy about getting anything really. Yeah. But again, it's like, I didn't get into acting to do that. I, I don't want to just be paid just to be on camera. Right. Because to me, I don't, that's not my life. That's what not what I want to do. I want to play characters. I want to build stories. That's what I'm interested in. So sometimes I feel like I have to make my own projects you know i have to develop my own things or i'm never going to get what i'm wanting but i did get a movie audition not too long ago to play a, a cult leader uh in a horror movie that's being re remade and uh they were shooting in uh in the south and uh my agent submitted me for that and i was like oh yes this is great and they gave me the whole script to read so i got to read the whole thing and really bit into it had a great there's the first really fun audition i've had in years oh good for you that's got to feel good huh yeah, yeah. Oh, he was man. he was and he was kind enough to send me the footage to ask me what i thought <laughs> it, was it was it was terrifying it was yeah. terrifying i know nathan pretty well but to see him on the on those uh takes i'm like whoa my yeah, I, knew, I was like dude i was like i knew you're a good actor but then I was like, one of those takes I was like, holy crap, dude! You're like transforming everything. Oh, your vo your my, voice, your my face, child everything. helped me with all those, and it was a lot of takes. And uh, it, it was, was it was a was... lot of fun, though. I got into it. I got really into it. I never get to play a bad guy, so of course, when I get a chance to do it, I'm gonna just go for it. You know? <laughs> it was it was worth it, man. It, it was it was terrifying. It truly was, man. Well, thank you. Well, thank and you. Nathan, That's what I you. Go for. You know, you. I would not get too hung up on how you look either, because you got to remember when we did our first film, you were the lead. I was the, uh, I was the supporting character. You know. You yeah, the, but that's because I went man. to college with those guys. You know? <laughs> I don't think that matters. <laughs> I went to college with them. They knew me. They they had seen me act in stage a lot. Because you're so they good. knew me. So they knew me. They knew what I could do. And you yeah. know. Um, we, you know, that that's part of it. That's part of it is is knowing people, right? Yeah, it's not absolutely. just just talent. It's it's knowing people. It's knowing uh, what you can do. It's having that shorthand. Like if I'm directing a project, I know that I would if I know somebody really well, if if there's somebody that's just as talented, but I don't know how they work or I'm a little sketchy about them. I'm going to go with the person that might not be quite as talented, but that I know I can hone in and really get a great performance out of because we have that shorthand every sure. time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, I get no, it. I, I understand the way the game's played. It's just <laughs> well, you're yeah. gonna you're, you're gonna tear it up when you get out here. I know you are. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's that's the hope. That's the hope. As I get older, I'm I'm aging into my look. You know, so like yourself, you've got that classic movie star thing. That as you get older, you only age like a fine wine, and people are gonna want to put you on camera because you're like, you know, wow, look at this guy. He's looks like a classic movie star. I need him in this movie. So. It's interesting that the casting trend right now is much more toward diversity, much more toward um, like Mike type doesn't really play a lot right now. You know? I know. I know. It's it's, uh, you know, it's not anything we can get mad at being. No, know, no. Absolutely. Of the Caucasian persuasion. Yeah. You know, we can't you know, we've had it good for many, many years. Yeah, so for sure. Like, yeah. And other people have been screwed over for yeah. parts all the time. I've lost many, many uh, commercial parts where they're like, well, we know we're going to go with an ethnicity for either the male or female role here. Yeah. We don't know which one. So we're going to call you back in and you get a call back. You go in and then they're like. 
Yeah, we decided to, that that we're going to go with a uh, you know a, a different ethnicity for the man, male role. So um, thank you so much. We'll we'll get you back in sometime or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I get it. You know, makes yeah. Makes, so, but it's just uh, the business is so about how you look and and uh, who you know and all that stuff. It it gets it's so easy for us, I think, as actors. I mean to get down, you know, about, or try to change yourself. Like I, for years and really up until very recently, Alan, I, I've always felt like, oh, I can be anything you want me to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and I would try to change myself all the time mm -hmm. to where the point where it's like existentially, you're sitting there going, well, who am I? If I'm always trying to be something right. else, because I do that, wind up do doing that in my personal life as well, because that just becomes your thing. Because when you're an artist, you kind of live your work. You know, and it's yeah. hard to separate those things. So for me, that that's been a huge realization over the last ten years: is where are these boundaries that I have as a human being, and as what I what I am, and who I am, really, and really taking a look at that and trying to find out if I like that person, or you know, and then presenting that in my art too, like being okay with how I look and how I sound and all of that and giving that out to a casting director and saying, look, this is me. If you don't like it, that's okay. But this is what I can give you and being okay with that. That is hard for me. And I think that's hard for a lot of actors, but really embracing that aspect instead of being like, no, 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 I can be whatever you want me to yeah, be. I can, yeah. be I can be, you know, you know, whatever. It's and uh, like Dustin really Hoffman in, in Tootsie. You remember him at the beginning, how desperate he is? He's like, exactly. I, I mean, that's the whole movie is he makes himself into somebody else because he can't get cast. Yeah. Well, you know, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just commenting on that and the right look and everything. I remember talking to, we were talking about Chris Levy earlier and he said he went, and this was years ago. He said he went to an audition for Les Mis and they said, um, you know, a touring company of Les Mis. And the instructions were dress up for the character you want. And so they oh. lined up everybody on the stage, you know, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of people, you know, all the Jean Valjeans and Cosettes and everything like that. And then somebody went through and said, I want you, 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 everybody else go home. And no singing, no acting, just on, just based on the look, their face, you know, you know, hopefully good costume and everything. So when you say, you know, it's just how you look and everything, I mean, that's like, seems like 90% of it, you know, do you look the part? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever it. it may be. So I don't it, know, it just popped in my head. You're talking about that. It's a lot of it. And with the, you know, in today's too, they really trying to get accurate representation for what the world is like and right. get, getting quality acting across the board and getting, you know, different ethnicities, different genders, uh, you know, gender fluid individuals, like all sorts of, you know, because that's the way the world is. And, uh, people call that woke and get upset about it and stuff. But I, I actually think it's quite an exciting time, um, in the casting world and in the, in the film to see, such great diversity. We're seeing, you know, uh, television shows come out that have leading uh, individuals that 10 years ago would have never been a lead. Absolutely. But now they are, and it's really yeah. exciting. It's challenging too, because we're, we're being challenged in our, in our societal like concepts of what casting should be. And, and even in theater too, especially in theater too, with like non-traditional casting and stuff coming in for, for roles that have been historically white men or white women or, you know, whatever, being able to actually open those things up. It's, I think it's very exciting. And well, and another thing on that is um, 
I was listening to something like people pitching TV shows and pitching movie ideas, and they say Friends would never get made today because you got six white heterosexual people in the script. There, I was like, that would never get made right. today. Yeah, you know? no, I mean, there's a lot true. of things yeah. that, and and you got to ask too. It's like, well, should they be made today? You know, and but yeah. then again. Yeah. It's a pendulum, right? And so I think it's it's swung so far in one way for so long for the majority of the industry that now it's swinging vastly the other way, and it will balance out again. Probably, where yeah. there is no need to push for certain uh, minorities to have because nobody will be a minority because everybody will have representation, and that's that's my hope. And that the coming years, everybody is so equally represented in media and uh and across the board that th- there's no fight anymore there's no you know there's no lifting up of this like you know years ago when 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 a gay character would kiss another gay character it was always like oh, ooh this they're being shocking and stuff and like now it's starting to go well that's just the way you know these characters are in love and that's it that's it and that is a great trend to see is that we kind of normalize those things so normalizing um all of that oh, normalizing um different different um uh di- all the different people uh in in our media i think it'll balance out eventually. i think so too yeah and that's a nice thought it's a hopeful thought <laughs> it is a hopeful thought yeah you and, and i one more uh, i'm sorry one more story about all these things and roles and everything um uh, again, they just remade West Side Story with you know actual you know eth- ethnically correct casting. When you know Natalie Wood as a white woman cast as a Puerto Rican when the first one, you know, it's like that. You know that would not fly today. I mean, you imagine uh, the ups- upset on Twitter and everything if, if a white woman been cast as a Puerto Rican, or even uh, worse, so Mickey Rooney playing an Asian in uh, the apartment oh, and yeah. breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. Oh, right. the, was it Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> like, yeah. so yeah. stereotypical. Not, but that, that kind of shit was going on into the 90s. I mean, it was going on into the early 2000s, especially yeah. with Asian stereotypes. Oh, yeah. Like, because there are certain ethnicities that candles. were taboo. Like, you didn't do you didn't do blackface. Right. You didn't do things like that. That was not cool. Right, right. Uh, rightfully so. But they were still allowed to do different, you know, Indian, Asian, you know, different yeah. things. That was okay for a white person to play. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, look at Short Circuit in the 80s too, you know, where you have an actor playing a, a, a East Indian an, a, individual Indian. who's not. Yeah. And right. it's so problematic when you go back and look, but at the time it wasn't considered problematic. It was just like, I'm an actor, I'm hired to do a job. And it's not like I'm trying to do a send up or make fun of anybody in that case. Like Which brings an interesting point. My my most recent thing that I just got cast in uh, is playing a German. Oh. Um, you know, and it said German actors are welcome to apply too, but I got it, you know. Uh, okay. But that's okay though. I mean, that's not a different, I mean. Well, you, I have German. a little German in me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. There you go. But the yeah, last. Pull that off. The last three things that I've done, and I was realizing, oh, this is an interesting trend. I, I'm playing a German now coming up. Before that, I did, a, a, I was doing a um, transatlantic accent. And before that, I was playing a Brit. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm only getting hired to do accents. I'm not getting hired to play me, you know, just be, talk like me. But some people can't do that, Alan. Like, well, some people true. can't do it, especially <laughs> transatlantic. Believe me, I, you know, running the Frightmare Theater podcast. Yeah. You know, we've done some shows that are more old style and getting people. And I'm like, 
oh, it's just a transatlantic dialect. It's it's super easy. And people are like, okay. And they get in there and it's like, oh, you can't like. The, no, there's even... a lot of people. It's like, I can't dance. I can do accents, <laughs> but I can't dance. You yeah, know, I can't dance. Either. A lot of people can't do go, accents. You go back and you watch a lot of those older movies. I mean, you and I both are fans of classic cinema. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, you might be too. I'm not sure. I know Alan and I both love old movies. Not not and, so much, but I appreciate it, of course. Yeah. Well, the more you watch, the easier it is to pick up on that on the transatlantic but it is definitely a lost art form these days alan like movies that take place in that time period people did talk like that not just put on no but that's it true it became it was like a cultural thing it's like it, it it's it's an amazing uh it was an amazing weird trend it was very yeah. strange it was all yeah. built on hollywood it was yeah. all built on on that and it's how lauren bacall talked it's how um it's how grace kelly talked it's how uh uh what's her name breakfast at tiffany's uh audrey audrey hepburn, hepburn talked hepburn. yeah and, and, and Catherine um, hepburn and seth and um, hepburn, yeah. both hepburns yeah okay <laughs> and 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 my connection on that is uh, seth mcfarland doing quagmire he modeled oh, right. that he modeled that voice after a transatlantic accent because his father was a broadcaster and he listened to those old radio shows oh, as a kid oh, really? so that's that's how he came up with the quagmire on that transatlantic accent thing well it's it's funny, my I, I we were talking before the show. My uncle, my great uncle, was in a movie in 1955, and he was a Kansas City dentist. Okay, <laughs> so no training at all. And when he starts talking in the voiceover, he says, "This is John Marsh. Betty and I are so excited to be getting on a plane, you know." And then I would never have, in any other <laughs> circumstance, they would have trained that accent out of him. But it's so beautiful to listen to. You know, yeah, it's yeah. so pure oh. and it's so this is how it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus. It That's is nice sense. that we people are free to be people more and be who they are more on film and TV. Yeah. Now, you know. Yeah. It it is nice. It's also it's scary a little bit auditioning because you're like that there's a vulnerability there. You're not putting on something else. No. To, to fake you know, Nathan, you and I were both uh worked for um gospel publishing house in a series faith of case great videos called faith case and i right. was mr trench and you were inspector apple is that right inspector adam apple adam right. apple yeah and but first i was your doctor before i was oh, that that's right you were doctor doctor i was doctor right. doctor so we both worked... with a german accent that's <laughs> of course right. of course uh, <laughs> but we both worked for dale garris and uh he was yes. our director and he i remember when i was auditioning for that part Getting back to what you were saying, I was trying to be like a tough cop, you know, and he kept cutting and saying, no, he was like, we wrote this with you in mind. We you're you are the part you don't have to. It's be. you. Yeah. yeah. You know. And so when I went into the offer, I uh, watched video of Alvin Sargent, the screenwriter that I'm portraying, and he's been interviewed. So you can watch him. He's from Philadelphia. So, and I thought, OK, I could try to imitate him but I'm not sure I could pull it off. And I'm not sure anybody would know enough about him to know that I'm, and, and it's not going to be me. So I thought I'm just going to play, I'm just basically going to talk like myself, you know? And also I thought and with the added benefit of maybe people will be like, Oh, this is what he looks like and sounds like casting directors, you know, thinking about booking my next thing that I, they won't be expecting something else other than me, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think um, I think people just want authenticity these days. You know, it's like seems are like you it, right yeah. for this role. I mean, it's like you're trying. I mean, as good as actors as as there are out there, it's like, oh, are you really, you know, this ethnicity? Can you are you can you really this accent, or do you need a you know a vocal coach or something like that? 
Because I remember uh, recently on Bill Maher, he was talking about that. He's like, that's what actors get paid to do, to pretend to be something else. Because they hate Because they hate being themselves, you know. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like – but I, I, I want that. I was like, is this really a person from this country? Is this – I mean is it or – is, or are they that good an actor? They can pull off this you know, German accent, what have you. And now that said, Matthew Good playing Robert Evans is nothing like that in real life. He's a brick, right. you know. I mean right. he – he was great. Oh my that. gosh, phenomenal! I mean, he had that that kind of nasally because he does so much coke <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, you know. I guess Trump sounds like that too a little bit. Bubby, yeah, Bubby, Bubby. But he had that. <laughs> that and he, he talks really fast all the time. Yeah, like you, uh, you you listen to him in interviews. The real guy and is just like just but Matthew Good. Yeah, role of a lifetime, man. So good, really, really, yeah. and uh, kind of a tour de force for him. He got to tour do everything. Tour de force, it's totally great comedy, great drama. Yeah, some real tragedy in that. In in his love life and everything, and the, a lot of desperation. That is a really great series. If you haven't checked it out on uh, Amazon, please. Oh, per, please. Oh, Paramount, Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. Sorry, Paramount. Yeah, Plus. Paramount. Plus. I watched yeah. it on Amazon, but yes, Paramount Plus. Uh, if you haven't checked that out yet, check Good out the offer and and see see Alan Marsh. Yeah, uh, the whole well, thing does it, for about three and minutes every and all those other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. the whole history of I don't know one of the best movies in the world. You know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's such if a great and interesting story. You know, somebody else in there that plays a pretty broad character compared to how he really is, but he's a character actor is Giovanni Ribisi yes. in that in that movie right. playing uh, – what's his name? Oh, um, uh, Columbo, Joe Columbo. Yeah, Joe Columbo. And just being this like you know, kind of larger-than-life mafioso character who was larger-than-life mafioso in, the, in real life. But, you know, you look at the work of Giovanni Ribisi, who I absolutely adore ever since, you know, the first time I saw him, he was a teenager in an X-Files episode that I remember, oh, wow. you know, and uh, but he's just he's always great. And he he's always really great about playing very desperate uh, individuals. And I don't know if you guys ever saw Sneaky Pete on uh, I think it was on Amazon, but oh, Sneaky Pete, where he yeah. plays a, it's the got three seasons and he was the main guy in it. And it's about a con man who gets out of jail and uh cons his the family of his cellmate to think that it's him that and so he's like trying to hide out there while he's dealing with brian cranston uh, uh-huh. who's a gangster in it and brian cranston is a producer on the show as well but if you haven't seen that i highly recommend that too because I, I mean i'm a i'm a giovanni Rabisi fan so it was interesting to see him in that because it was such a different role for him uh playing colombo what was it called again uh that's called sneaky pete sneaky pete okay and one of my good friends uh uh well you guys know tj petterson yeah yeah okay tj's out there in la too uh yeah his wife uh who uh sarah um she's been in lots of things she's the 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 one of the leads on the show resident alien uh with alan tudyk she's the the oh yeah yes from uh firefly uh yeah alan yes. yeah yeah and she was uh tiger lily in the and ever after is it ever after i think that she was tiger lily in on on and off but she's in the second season of sneaky pete as a um a native um casino manager there uh in the show huh yeah hmm. all right and she's she's very talented and uh so it's cool i, I love seeing all of my friends out there in la getting work in in quality productions <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you it's onwards and upwards, man. I mean, I see I see these great images of you and these auditions and it is a numbers game. It's like the more auditions yeah. you get, you're bound to get something, but you do look like you're having a lot of fun and we 
you know, we're all rooting for you. Oh, um, that is oh, absolutely kind of absolutely. you. Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited to see where your career goes. What do you uh, have coming up next? Well, I'm shooting a film uh, on the 24th uh, called um, <laughs> a Strange Harvest. That's it. Playing a character. Is it a film or is it a TV it's a, show? It's a feature film uh, playing a character named uh, Jonas Eckhart, who is a German kind of a, a book collector. And um, yeah, so they'll be shooting that. I've got a film uh, in post-production uh, called uh, Baggage, in which I play a waiter, kind of an overwrought waiter at a really nice restaurant. That's going to be a good short film. And another one that just came out called um, uh, A Cotton Moon. And then that I play a man on TV, sort of a 50s TV guy uh, that's with Eric Roberts is in that. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Ho- Mr. In Everything, Eric Roberts. Oh, yeah. He yeah. I mean, he's in, he's in, he does, he works a lot in like direct to, you know, movie titles all the way up to like direct to like streaming service all the way up to, to bigger, bigger projects. Yeah. And he doesn't really delineate. He just works. No, you know? he doesn't. He's a machine almost. It's amazing. Yeah. Him and Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like right. Yeah. Constant, constant work. It doesn't matter what it is, but you know what? Hey. That's the that's the gig. That's the life. It's it's nice. Are you working a side side job too now? Or are you just just doing acting full time? I'm director of music at two uh, different churches. So I oh. get up on a Sunday morning and I drive you work your tail off. Yeah. I do. Well, I drive uh, from Burbank to Anaheim, which is about a 40 minute drive. And I play at an eight o'clock a.m. service there. And oh boy! I drive from at nine. I drive from Anaheim to Beverly Hills and play at a 1030 service. And uh, then I drive what denomination. Lutheran, Lutheran ah. Church, Missouri Center. That's right. We're both pastors' kids, aren't we? Uh, yes, yes. I didn't, my, I didn't remember that. My dad is a pastor in Harrisonville. He's a Methodist pastor in Harrisonville, Missouri, which that? is just south of KC. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was a youth pastor for many years. But see, I didn't grow up with them being ministers. My oh, dad was okay. a computer programmer, and my mom was a um, speech pathologist. Got it. Um, so for, he's a second uh, career until, pastor. There's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my freshman year of college was his freshman year of seminary in KC. Oh, wow. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He huh. went to uh, St. Paul, I think, St. Paul's in, in KC. I think that's the seminary name. But uh, yeah, yeah. But we definitely, yeah, we're both uh, preacher's kids. I couldn't remember where you went to, to church in Springfield, but yeah, Lutheran, that sounds about right. That's that's <laughs> like a Catholic light, right? Like Lutheran? Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh it's uh um, that Church of England? Sort of reformed Catholic, I guess you might yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty close cuz yeah, I've been to a few Lutheran services and, and played several you know, raised Light Catholic and, and um yeah, and then I and but also I played, you know, was a music director a few times for some masses and everything. So I understand what that gig is, you know, and leading the whole congregation and everything and they're all listening to you to start and stop everything. So it's a uh, I love it because I can't hold still anyway, so it gives me something to do in church. You know, I get to there. Play. You go, yeah. <laughs> I but I, add... Man, I go love ahead. play. I love getting in there playing that organ and just you know, there's one in uh, I think it's in Burbank. There's a Catholic church in there, and they let me play the organ in there. And wow, it it's is it fun. is awesome to fun to play in there because all yeah. I do is play in my play in my headphones here on in my studio. <laughs> so it's nice to have it live. Quite, quite quite an experience to play in a nice acoustic church. It you know, really is. Yeah. So. yeah. I have to tell you one more thing, if I can. 
I was just going through a bunch of old files on my computer and I found a script that I had written and completely forgotten about when I was in Springfield and it's called the demo reel. And it's about, I, I guess I had cast myself as the main character as a guy who really wants to put together a demo reel. And he's taking classes from basically Scott Arthur Allen's class, you know, uh-huh. and, um, and also George Cron. And he Go, he he meets with an agent who says, OK, I need a copy of your demo reel by Monday and it's a Friday. So he goes to this filmmaker who's been sitting on this copy of a film that he made like for a year and a half now, you know, and it's like it's stuck it's in post. real close to home. Yeah. yeah. And so they start <laughs> fighting over the copy, the one copy of the demo of, of this film so he can just burn a quick copy for his demo. Reel. The filmmaker won't give it up. So he jumps in a car. They have a car chase and they're driving through Springfield and another film crew sees them you know, race past and they're like, oh, let's follow him. That's so-and-so, you know? And so they start filming the chase and uh, the actor runs out of gas. He jumps onto the director's car. And so now he's doing like stunts, you know, and they end up on the top. They they run through the Vandevort, which is rehearsing a musical version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> he swings yes. off of a, of a, of a cord, like onto the stage, you know, and he's like, why didn't you cast me in this? Did you see what I just did? You know, he's like, never mind. And then they run into the Landers. <laughs> the Landers is also doing a cop, uh, um, a musical version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're both doing the same play. For listeners who aren't aware really quickly, those are two theaters that were back uh, in Springfield, right next door to each other, right. the Vanderbilt Center Theater and the Springfield Little Theater at the historic Landers building. Go ahead. Sorry. And they and they end up the, the the story ends up on the roof of like the Vandevort with the de- demo reel going over the side of the building and the actor leaping after it and Kenny Kalinowski like saves him and is like holding under his arm and Kenny is like the handsomer you know actor that everybody wants to be you know yeah and so the whole film the whole premise of the film is everybody's telling the actor you're not letting go because that's what Scott Arthur Allen would always say to me you're not letting go you know <laughs> and. uh and so at the end, Kenny's like, don't let go, you know, <laughs> and the film fall, the film falls to the ground and um, and uh, it gets run over by a truck. And so it, it, it but it's got to make you got to make that out. And I want to do the great? music. I, I'm doing the, I'm, I'm telling you already, Alan, I'm doing the music for that. OK, okay? So, it would but be you fun. Gotta make, you got to make that. <laughs> yeah, that that's fun. Well, I mean, Al, a lot you... of a lot of it doesn't exist anymore and nobody nobody would get the jokes anymore. But I I was it kept me amused. Yeah, <laughs> we used to have a writer's group there for a while out of the group of us that would meet for wings on Tuesdays, all the filmmakers in town that would would meet on Tuesdays. And do you remember, Al, we were developing some like scenes. We were writing scenes and stuff. I do. We did one that was like a mafia scene and we were working. You and I were working on a buddy cop one for a yeah. while and then we kind of lost interest in it or something. But yeah. I remember we were working on a buddy cop kind of thing where we would both play the two cops. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. No, that's my problem is I have poor follow through with this stuff, you know, sometimes I do, too. <laughs> I, I get I get all all excited about something and then it's like, ugh, you know. Well, film's a collaborative effort. You've got to have, you know, definitely the writer can't be the guy who sees it through to post, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's very hard. So, Al, thanks so much for uh, for joining us on the episode. Uh, listeners, if you have 
Uh, if you have not checked out the offer yet, please uh, go to Paramount Plus. Uh, check it out; it's worth the free trial for sure. It's the uh, the story of the making of The Godfather and Alan Alan <laughs> Alan Marsh. Our guest today has a has a very prominent uh, uh, role in it. Um, is fantastic in it. It's just a really great series. Um, so be on the lookout for Alan Marsh in uh, future TV and film. Uh, his career's just starting to kick off. Uh, and yep, run for your wife. <laughs> yep, <laughs> still got it. Uh, all of us former Missouri people, uh, moving out into the world and uh, and making names and and uh, kicking ass. So, um, trying anyway, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, both trying, of you guys, we're trying to be an actor. Uh, yes, trying to be a composer. <laughs> trying, yes, <laughs> trying to be an actor. We were talking before the episode about uh, Al's therapist said something about like, oh, well, you're trying to be an actor, and it's like, oh. Ouch. Yeah, been trying, trying be, for 18 years now, yeah. you know, you're trying, trying to be to, a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try a little harder, I think. Um, but uh, no, uh, you know, Brian and I, we love having guests on uh, from time to time and have been wanting to have you on uh, for a while. So glad we could we could do this. Thank you so, so much, Alan, for, for joining oh, us. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, yeah. What a blast. What a total blast. Yeah, well, yeah. definitely, we can have you on at another time as well, and eager to see where where everything goes. And next time I'm out there in LA, the three of us have got to get together and get beers. Absolutely, beer or yeah, absolutely. At the yeah, very definitely. least, that's you know, yeah. entry yeah. level, yeah. the a beer. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. entry level. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, um, for those of you out there listening, uh, if you'd like to join us in the conversation, please hit us up on the socials, um, you know, or you can give us an email uh, as well. We love to hear from you. And um, otherwise, uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Hey, thanks, Alan. See you. Bye, guys. Thanks. <laughs>